Welcome to the Murder We Watched podcast. Tonight's episode, Lovers and Other Killers. Hello and welcome to Murder We Watched, a podcast where, episode by episode, we break down the 1980s crime serial, Murder, She Wrote, a show catered explicitly for elderly fuckeronies. My name is Spencer Mirabel. My name is Jake Sanders. And tonight we are rejoined by guest Alexa Weimer. Alexa, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> this is so, so suave. It's so like, I like your delivery, man. Thank it's you. A good, Thanks, buddy. Oh, how are, it's like, we need some smooth jazz playing right now. Mm-hmm. While I'm Alexa... trying to get my all things considered demo tape to, at some <laughs> point in time. Perfect. I hope you were hearing the sax solo from, um, what the fuck? I just lost the name of the, the song, George Michael. Oh, uh... Careless Whisper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. See, my, my go-to sax solo is the guy from Lost Boys, who was shirtless, covered Ooh. in gallons of oil, and he's just like, he's just like, like fucking a saxophone. He's just, <laughs> just, here we go, and it's so, so good. It's what one of my favorite be, scenes of it, like, cinema If history. you were walking down the street, what would be the music that introduces you? Like, what's the song that does not necessarily represent all of you, but just your walk, your emotion through life? The Murder, She Wrote theme song. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Good choice, good choice, good choice. Good choice. I mean, I feel I'm, I'm obligated to say the same, but I will, I, I will give a special caveat. When you ask this question, for some reason, my brain thought of the gold member song <laughs> that they... That they, like, Beyonce changed the lyrics to to make it about Goldmember. Like Goldfinger to Goldmember? No, what's the song? It's like, this gold, this gold, this gold. (laughs) I don't want to. Please continue to tell us, like, how it goes, though. (laughs) Like. It'd be that song. I'm more curious to find how much more of those lyrics you can remember versus how much more you can remember of this episode. Which will you learn? remember more of? By the end Objectively, of this let's find I can out. think of Goldmember's <laughs> lyrics much more clearly than I can this episode. And I will say, as we get into it, I really liked this episode. I also deeply hate this episode. I feel the same. Like, this physically hurt my brain. Mm-hmm. More than the others, not even, once again, try not to be hyperbolic, but it was such a, like, I didn't know who was who and how they were connected to at all at any given point in time so a plus 10 out of 10 best episode (laughs) so far i mean it to me is the best episode we have seen i know i might differ than on you guys on this and i was thinking about this a moment ago i think all of the odd number ones have been my favorite episodes so all of the odd number episodes that we've had so far have tended to be the best ones and maybe it's just because the ones right before them were so terrible that anything but up felt really triumphant to me so the one we just watched before this was the worst one we had watched up to that point so maybe that's why this one is <laughs> the best one maybe just like as like a curbed grade you know how they like you know, like the whole class's grades are so terrible. I'm starting to wonder if their budget is like, truly, we can only film 11 episodes, but we're booked to do 22. So how about every other episode, we just make it a fucking banger. Just out of town. <laughs> great directing, great actor. Well, all of the word great is relative here, but truly performers. They're all performing very intensely. And then every in-between episode is, uh, we got a couple old community theater actors. We'll just (laughs) 
Put him in a horse stable. We'll figure it out. We'll go from there. You know, it was a little disjointed because it is this show, but Mm -hmm. I did think it was actually pretty good. Um, Forgot about the violent motion sickness you go through at the beginning, (laughs) like opening up the episode. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's sort of get into the the plot of this episode. Yeah. So this episode is season one, episode seven, "Lovers and Other Killers," and the short little synopsis here uh, for that episode is: When in Seattle for a series of lectures, Jessica is drawn into a dangerous case involving young secretary David Tolliver, <laughs> accused of killing his wealthy older lady friend Allison Brevard. Um, so we open on this episode, presumably in Allison Brevard's apartment. Very affluent apartment, like in most sets in this show. Yeah. Um, no one is home. It's very mysterious, but we see somebody sort of rifling through these dresser drawers. I do want to say the real show shop, the showstopper of this episode is the music. The composer was popping <laughs> off right in, out of the gate. There was just some weird piano licks happening. Some like these little shimmer moments on the cymbals. It was their crowning achievement at the show. The music finally came into its own. Three times throughout the ep- or throughout the episode in my notes, I wrote, "Oh, this score rips! Ooh, this score is great! <laughs> Holy shit, this is great music! Why all of a sudden in episode seven? Did they like, oh, fuck, we forgot to hire a composer for the last few episodes. Let's get a good guy. It's so... Mm, 10 out of... Yeah, great score. Great score. I was wondering if you guys thought this. So we had an episode a few back where it starts with Jessica, uh, like, creating a murder to like for her book. She's, like, test. she's testing out how to strangle someone. And she's like, oh, it would never work that way. And then she goes to type it in her book, and then the story begins. Like, it's the cold open. I thought the burglar before ultimately was like, ooh, maybe it's Jessica. Maybe she's like really, really getting into a reenactment for a book. But it was not. So anyway, it's not uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean it, There is always that trope of some sort of cold open that, I mean, it's the murder cold open. That, that's always what it's going to be. And it's hard to tell. We have yet to know anything about any book Jessica's ever written, so maybe that's just us hoping that one of these scenes that we're seeing sure. is inspiring her work so we can get some insight into that. But maybe it's that hoping that's just constantly disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. But it starts with the this this rich old bag who's like stumbling drunkenly throughout her house wearing her, you know, everyone's night pearls. You wear your evening pearls. <laughs> Casually. Casually. It's like yeah. a casual bedtime look. That's how I go to bed. <laughs> Okay, I was gonna I, I was gonna ask, but I didn't want to sound it's like no. it's very casual. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. So yeah, she walks in, and then once again the score rips with this nice little rattle shake shaker moment. She sees all of these things rifle through, but she stays really fixated on this music box for some reason. Right. You know, that's initially too. Like, if I were to walk into my apartment and it looks like there was an apparent robbery, the first thing I'm going to go to is my music box that I found <laughs> underneath my desk to make sure that it's still playing my favorite song. Yeah, it's the old, it's the old comfort music box. It's a classic thing yeah. for parents to have for their kids. And it's funny you mention that because she like winds it up, and instead of like beautifully humming to the song, she makes these almost like grunt singing noises <laughs> when she's singing along. She's like. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> tender moment. As the camera's <laughs> pushing in on her, which was presumably the killer walking up to her, she's mm-hmm. like having aneurysms, I can only assume. 
small orgasms. Oh, <laughs> microdose yeah. orgasms. I've trained myself to have a micro orgasm trigger every time my music box is stumbled to the ground and, and, and I pick it up. It's a Pavlovian achievement. I'm riding Valkyrie's Edge at that point. <laughs> Well, she turns around and this, and we see the guy in the ski mask. Which the reveal of the killer—it's just—it's so weird because it cuts to him. You see his face, and he just looks sort of like deer in the headlights, looking really dopey. And then she frowns at him and sort of like dog bears her teeth. She just constantly seems to have a frown all of the time in this sequence. It's really unnerving. I don't know about you guys. It—it it was. Like, the execution was between campiness and, like, surrealism. It felt like a David Lynch scene, almost, of, like, I I know it's a campy 80s serialized murder show. That's the whole point of this podcast. But this scene was executed in a different way than we've seen so far. Like we've said, the music was banging, but there was this unnerving tone. And a good use of foreshadowing. Yeah. Because from the motion sickness, we already knew that in the initial, like showing the pictures and- you know, Yeah, this old woman has a photo with her and this young, dapper young man. Yeah. Uh, who is a character we will meet later. Great value Harrison Ford is the- uh is what I got from him. It's a very suave looking, but still like there's just something a little cheap about him. Very blocky face. Is he's Ohio Jones? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Il- Illinois uh, Johnson. Yeah. Illinois Johnson in the Illinois Johnson in the Temple the- of Brooms. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the killer, she stands up and he chokes her with that pearl necklace, her, her nighttime pearl necklace, and she dies, as one would do when they get choked by a pearl necklace. And then we immediately <laughs> go to nowhere else but the Seattle airport. Seattle, baby. Hey, baby, who's blues are calling? Toss and who up. do we see in the airport, guys? Peter Graves. We see Captain Over from Airplane, baby. Yes, we do. I was like, is this a crossover? <laughs> <laughs> is the airplane universe and cinematic universe involved with murder? She wrote cinematic universe. The answer I think is it yes. Is. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters being in Scooby-Doo or something. We see Peter Graves, who's playing uh, Professor... Dr. Edmund Gerard. Edmund Gerard. (laughs) Doctor. Dr. Gerard. He's there at SeaTac. He's there to pick up Jessica Fletcher, who is introduced in this episode carrying (laughs) someone's Asian child. Edmund! Hey, how are you, my dear? Oh, my goodness, I thought I'd missed you, too. Well, Kay and Leanne got hung up on the plane, and we were the last ones to get off. Well, frankly, when you said you might be bringing someone with you, I... Uh... <laughs> you mean you thought, oh, Edmund. Like, who's that baby? <laughs> she was there, she was helping somebody else out in the flight, but man, oh, man, just to have a, like, ripping off a Band-Aid to see... <laughs> Lansbury with somebody else's Asian child is very jarring. Well, and then she hands her this this child off to these two nuns, presumably these Chinese nuns, who are speaking fluent Chinese. She apparently also speaks fluent Chinese, guys. Like we didn't know that as well. This is my friend, Dr. Gerard. Delighted to meet you. It was rough. Yeah. Rough. And, and, and it was like, well, who are these people? Who is this kid? Just just such a throwaway thing, but just so random. And there is some slight foreshadowing slash like character development here, and it's very bad. But they set up Peter Graves' character. What's his name? Edmund Gerard. Edmund Gerard. What a shitty name. Ugh. 
He's got two first names. Two first, two <laughs> rich first names. So Jessica Fletcher says, Sayonara. Oh, Edmund, they're Chinese, not Japanese. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, that's Japanese. They're, they're Chinese. You spoke the wrong language. And he's like, ah, who gives a shit or whatever he says. <laughs> so his character development is he's just a horrible asshole prick. Ignorant as all fucking get out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Racist, misogynistic prick. It's almost as if we've seen this character before every episode before this one. <laughs> There's the same rotating cast of rich, old, asshole, racist white guys who also are in love with Jessica. Once again, somebody horny for Jessica right out of the gate. He's like bummed because he's he thinks, oh, I thought you were going to bring a guest. I didn't think it was going to be this or something like that. Oh, thinking yeah. she was going to bring some man. Oh, yeah. And she's like, she laughs it off. She's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. You, you misheard that or whatever. And like kind of like casually touches his his chest a little bit. I was like, okay. All right. All right. Okay. A little flirty. There's a lot of flirting in this episode. A lot of thick, oh, a lot of I, thick flirting eventually. But I don't even know if it's flirting at that point. The stuff we'll get to. It's beyond. Borderline sexual assault to the audience, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> so he has invited her because he's the dean of students at this uh, unnamed university in Seattle here. <laughs> Can we say, since we are all from Washington, what is it about, like, showing three exterior shots of actual places in Washington and then shooting the rest of this episode in presumably Los Angeles. <laughs> See, I don't know. I was, I kind of thought they shot on location for a lot of this. There was a few shots for sure because like there was one, I think where they're walking down, um, they're in a downtown district of some sort. I can't remember now. And they're talking about, is it with her and her and the police officer, right? They're like mm-hmm. cro- slowly crossing the street for 15 minutes, discussing the murder situation. And, and it, it just felt like, like, I'm not familiar enough with Seattle, but I, I do love Seattle, and it just felt like, oh, this seems like Seattle. There was some familiar hey, baby, stuff. I hear those blues are caught. I'm just, sorry, gotta get this Frasier references out as quick as I can. Get them out now. <laughs> get them out. Um, I don't know. I, I think there was definitely some sequences. Of course, you had the insert insert uh, space needle shot here. Right. We'll get to that later. Um, so he's the dean of students, and he's inviting her to do a series of lectures because she wrote some famous books, I guess. So she's qualified to do that. Um, so he brings her to her office where his assistant, Amelia, is making fun of him for buying a bunch of random shit, which I just assume that's what you do when you're rich and old. And it seems to me you've got your hands full right here. Uh, paying my bills, for which I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> Speaking of which, Dr. Gerard, did you really order an inflatable raft? Well, uh, I might want to go camping someday. It's a wonder he keeps any of his money. There she goes, just acting like a wife again. And Who God knows? fucking forbid you buy a raft in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> where that kind of shit is very prevalent. Like, you know, like, oh, you want to go camping? How about you go fuck yourself, sir? <laughs> go fuck yourself. You're in the big city of Seattle, which is literally right next to the, the ocean. In <laughs> like, mountains. But and like everything. In mountains. <laughs> like, <laughs> But don't feel too bad for him because he out of the gate follows up by saying, there she goes, Jess, acting like a wife again. Right. (laughs) And we get this cut to the secretary looking morbidly sad, backed up by this really weird melancholy music Mm -hmm. insert. It it felt very sudden. It felt like a soap opera. Like, oh, fuck, we got to get that moment in where she's depressed. Call her a wife and then we'll shoot a close up real quick. 
See, but I also took that as that, like that immediate, because I even wrote that down. I was like, oh, foreshadowing right there. That's going to become a prevalent thing in this episode because it's obvious that she's got feelings for him where it was so obvious yeah. where it was, it was that melancholy look of like, Oh, if only I was your wife. Like you, that was very apparent. So yeah. So I was like there, I felt like that was some foreshadowing right there as well. Mm-hmm. The one big triumph of this episode that I love the most is the fact that there's actually a lot more sleuthing Jessica does in this episode. She's a lot more active in the plot of this one than most. She actually, Oh, I don't know. Tries to solve the murder by investigating things <laughs> as opposed to the last episode where she was barely in it. So she laughs off We're, it's clear that she's into him then they go back to walking outside of the college gotta get that mount rainier shot they're right on the yeah, student gotta terrace. Get <laughs> gotta get it. um but there was she's... there was a quick moment in she's like lecturing a class some guy who's also a professor we're not even tries... there yet <laughs> we well, another, this, the there's a whole other big sequence oh we god i'm sorry i know we'll that's get to my it. fault cut jake cut that out <laughs> cut this out of the edit <laughs> Jake, don't cut this out. <laughs> Edmund seems very obsessed with men that she was with that were not him. Uh, like, he seems very self-conscious about the fact that in, when they were in college together back in, you know, 1840 or something. Right. Uh, they, he, she was not into him, but he, she was in a bunch of with other men. Yes, why don't you forget the hotel and stay with me? <laughs> not on your life. I've got work to do. Anyway, you and I would spend every minute rehashing all those good old Saturday nights in the basement of Papa Gamma Kai. Most of which you spent with Frank, if I remember. You do know you chose the wrong one. It's funny you said that. You know, Frank said the same thing. And then she describes to him that, well, you know your secretary's in love with you. And he laughs it off. And then the scene's just over. Yeah. Yep. That's... that's What What more do you want? You, you, you're aware <laughs> that she's obviously super into you. And she's like... He's like, don't be preposterous. And she's like, okay. Please. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. You do know that she's in love with you, don't you? Huh? What? Who? Amelia, your secretary. Oh, Jessica, don't be silly, friends. So Jessica is in need of an assistant while she's there. It seems like she's going to be there for an, in, a long time, like an indefinite amount of time, rather than just for like a one lecture and out sort of deal. So she wants an assistant to be at her hotel room for her to you know, take notes and do some secretarial type stuff and then she goes to her hotel room and this young man arrives named david tolliver um and she's really weirded out by that uh, the fact that a man wants to take the job and she's like about to go to bed it's because you know it's 8 15 in the evening it's yeah bedtime. who the hell shows up to a job interview at like 8 30 <laughs> at night that is just outrageous. Well, it's not even an interview. She, he just shows up. Yeah, out of fucking nowhere. And somebody's hotel room, too. Like, that's going to somebody's house. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even just going to their office or their place of business. It's like, you're going... It's like a very personal thing. Right. Yeah. And she kind of makes that clear to him. She has the door slightly open when she's talking, like, trying to, inst- like, investigate. Like, wait, who are you? Oh, you were responding to the ad. Well, I thought it was an older lady I was looking for or whatever. But- I'm here from the university. About the job. Oh, David Tolliver, Mrs. Fletcher. May I come in? No. I mean, actually, uh, well, I was expecting... Um... Someone in a skirt? Surely, Mrs. Fletcher, you're not going to hold my gender against me. But the door is still, like, on its lock, and it's this really kind of unnerving shot of him through the, the crack, and then the reverse shot of her. And he just... Then she just kind of lets him in. Yep. Doc, come on in. Hey, get on in here, you There's goof. this recurring theme of this scene where she gives him a reason 
I do not want you to be here. Please leave. And he takes that as an advance to do whatever the hell he wants. So mm-hmm. she's giving a bunch of excuses like, hey, like I really prefer an older woman feel more, make me feel more comfortable. And then he's like, well, give me a page of that magazine. And then he speeds types this page of magazine while talking to her out loud. Well, you'd be surprised how prejudiced some people can be, although it's more noticeable among male employers. Not that I work for that many men. I don't usually get the chance. Most of the time I end up working for women. Wonder why. And also ignoring your personal space and like ask for you not to be here. He just bursts through any idea of uh, personal space for her. And that yet somehow, some way that's charming to her. Yep. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> this, this man, this actor, this performance, this character is genuinely unnerving. I got to give him some props, but he is very just hammy and strange and... Like, what a weird performance. Yeah, and I definitely got, like, some kind of Norman Bates vibes off of him as well, where it's, like, that kind of weird... Oh, you mean how he wants to get inside of Angela Fletcher's, or Jessica Fletcher's pants? Yeah, and that's it's obvious where it's, like, that weird, you know, like, over-adoration of this older female person in his life, and he's kind of, he's, you know, he's handsome, and he's kind of charming, but there is that element about him that is just really off-putting. Well, this is really very, very good. But um, I've never worked with a secretary before of any sex. Believe me, this has nothing to do with your skills, but... I do think that I would feel more comfortable with an older woman. A lot of moments of her asking like, hey, can you leave now? Hey, you need to go. Please get the fuck out of my my hotel. Hey, dude, get out of here. And he's constantly like one-upping her and, and trying to, you know, smooth his way in? What's the word of it? Schmooze! Schmooze! No, I totally agree. Because while he's there typing up this part of this magazine even to he's like well, the question i most often asked is where did i go to secretarial school and, well of course i didn't i'm self-taught but i can assure you mrs fletcher i am fast and i am accurate as a matter of fact as you can see i can even talk and think at the same time i'm actually self-taught and it came off as this like old tired cowboy monologue where i was like you're uh, talking about typing and you're creepy as well like, you're here at 8 30 at night <laughs> this woman's in her bathrobe and her like pajamas you know like go to, go home <laughs> just go home <laughs> super sleazy but again really loving this character because it is like a nice almost like an evolution of a lot of, again a lot of characters we've already seen before and yet this is almost like a nice little match for her somebody who's like going against the, her will so i i really enjoy his character for the fact that he is terrible he's just a really nice like he's a lovable villain and a You love to hate him and hate to love him. So now we get to the university lecture and she is reenacting and reciting dialogue from her book. We get this infamous shot that we've seen in the intro so many times of her (laughs) shooting the gun and a flag that says bang comes out of it. Mm -hmm. Love to see it. So glad it's here finally. So glad we never have to see it again. Except for every time we watch this episode, (laughs) it's in the intro every time. (laughs) Um, Murder, you say, Mrs. Darling? Murder, Captain, plain and simple. Little Nell, poor thing. Knocked off a trolley. Derailed by the basest of human emotions. Half mad, half crazed with grief. She raised the pistol to eye level and... (laughs) Bang. Ooh, does that say bang? Well, it doesn't look very deadly, does it? (laughs) And at the end, we get this professor named Todd Lowry, who goes up and thanks her. He, too, super creepy. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Fletcher, 
That was mind-boggling. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Todd Lowry. I'm with the English department. I thought you looked a little too professorial to be a student. <laughs> Just wanted you to know that my wife and I are both fans, especially Emily, and she's very tough to fool. He says he has this wife, but there's this hot blonde woman who, like, they give some each other eyes, and Jessica notices it, and he goes off with her. Fletcher describes the woman as that cute little number. Do you suppose that cute little number was Emily? Who? His wife. Whose wife? Uh, it's just <laughs> weird like okay let's put ourselves in jessica's shoes we're a famous author and we've written and now we've been invited to give lectures uh to students i'm not gonna ever bring up cute little number that the professor's dating because you know what that's fucking weird that's weird for any human to do she's so okay with really malpractice uh unprofessional uh, yeah. sexual affairs with professors yeah that's my uh, that's my wife i don't believe you <laughs> i just i absolutely don't believe you we go back to the hotel um and David is just there in her hotel room. Oh, she's, I guess he's supposed to be doing his job there. He's supposed to be doing some transcribe. He's reading one of her books. She complains about him being expensive, being $5.60 an hour, which at first, <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, well, it can't be that expensive. But I was reading some stat the other day. I think five sixty is a little less than $18 an hour for inflation. So that kind of is a pretty That's high. That's pretty good for per hour. At 5.60 an hour, your reading habits are expensive, David. Oh, I took myself off the clock hours ago. Work's all done. Oh. He sleazes his way to making convincing Jessica to take him out to dinner <laughs> at a really expensive hotel restaurant. I wrote down, David, how are you successfully flirting with Jessica Fletcher right now? Cuz everything he says to me was a blatant red flag. Yes. At like under every circumstance possible, even for a fictional TV show, red flag. Yes. Red flag. That's a red flag. And she's like, oh. <laughs> Me? Creepy, creepy charming is her Achilles heel. But he, he, he phrases it of like, well, since it's nearly seven o'clock, how about dinner? Oh, I don't think my digestive tract could handle pizza and beer or whatever it is you young people eat these days. Oh, pizza and beer. Oh, tonight's a special occasion. So how about a Chateaubriand for two? Are you sure you can afford it? No, you can. What are you, what are you doing for dinner tonight? Oh, I'm probably just going to eat here at the hotel. Well, what do you say I finger blast? No, 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 no. That was the exact quote, actually. That was it. That's exactly, that is a verbatim quote. Yeah, they're talking about this rich, this like expensive restaurant. And she's like, well, do you think you can afford it? And he's like, no, but you can. And she just yeah. kind of laughs about it. I'm like, you were just complaining about him lounging on your couch, wasting your money. But the moment he said that, she like bit her lip and she's like, oh, yeah, it was okay. Like, oh. like, are you asking me out? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> Actually, that's a no. He's definitely finger blasting her wallet. He's finger blasting her wallet. That's what's I think he's finger blasting himself thinking of how he wants to finger blast Jessica Fletcher. But unfortunately... <laughs> it's very clear that he's into her because he describes he doesn't enjoy the company of his bubble-headed female contemporaries and lays his hand tenderly on hers yeah like he says that he's like oh I just like need your company i feel it as if everybody's staring at me no they're staring at me with envy in their hearts that is not only transparent david it's corny <laughs> only the words not the thought jessica i i, I just don't enjoy the company of my bubble-headed female contemporaries but i do enjoy yours just disgusting yeah 
<laughs> so they're leaving dinner and Lieutenant Andrews, Seattle PD. Lieutenant Andrews, Seattle PD. Mm-hmm. Asks yes. David to come with him uh, because Allison Rivards has been murdered. This woman who we, we we assume it's the woman we've seen before. It is. And he wants to just ask a couple questions. This detective is so fucking cool looking. Yes. I love his style. He looks like he's dressed in like 70s cop attire. He looks like Sammy Davis. He looks like Sammy Davis. He's wearing like this all blue like pantsuit. And he's got these just awesome sunglasses on. And he's so grisly. Like, such a grisly person. His voice, like, everything about him is just this classic detective from the 80s. Yeah, just very, very grisly, for sure. Yeah! I just, I dug it. I dug his style. I was like, this is the perfect actor for this. This is the perfect performance, caricature of a police officer. It's cliche. It has its its beats, but he's delivering it so convincingly. Would you mind accompanying us down to headquarters? There are a few questions we'd like to ask. Yes, I would mind. Questions about what? Several nights ago, a woman by the name of Alison Brevard was murdered by an intruder in her townhouse. Now, would you like to come with us? Or would you prefer that I place you under arrest? I just kept thinking of all of the fucking shitty detectives we've had so far, and this man is a saving grace. Yeah. He is the most competent <laughs> detective we've had, and also, not to foreshadow too much, he also is the least detective we see in the episode. We do not see him that much in any moment that is important. <laughs> Again, an amazing musical flourish at the end of this scene when they're going to bring David to have some questions, uh, or if he doesn't, they'll arrest him kind of stuff. Some incredible music. Um, and then uh, we cut immediately to him leaving the station. I guess he's... That, that was quick. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good, it was like a really good cliffhanger. And then it, it, it goes to like the commercial break and it comes right back and I'm like, well, I'm out of there. It was only two hours. Sorry. Well, it was just routine. Oh, David, two hours is not normal routine question. And it was like, <laughs> there was a whole interrogation scene with a potential murder suspect who's given off hundreds of red flags to this point. Right. And I don't get to see an ounce of it or know any, it just means nothing. Okay. Yeah, he's like, question immediately leaves. He tells her, oh, it was just routine. It wasn't a big deal. Um, again, there's a lot of emphasis in this episode of Fletcher noticing very obvious details. She notices the car behind them um, is turns their lights on when they're about to leave, and it follows them. So then the next day, she goes to meet the lieutenant, Lieutenant Andrews, Seattle PD. Lieutenant Andrews, Seattle PD. Uh, meets him in the Seattle, like, bagel place. Uh <laughs> Because um, she knew exactly where he was, and Andrews is like, Is there a chance you're looking for me? Oh, oh, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. They told me at the precinct house I'd find you here. Bagel, black coffee, and my sports page. I always go here. Bagel, coffee, and my sports page. Yes. That's what I need. <laughs> I was like, that's a vibe. That's a Seattle vibe. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I agree. So she tells, he knows, um, where is it? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm lost now. I got excited about the bagels and coffee and sports Yeah, page. that was it. Uh, <laughs> you look like a nice lady. Let me give you a piece of advice. Stay away from that guy. Look, he had been seeing the victim for several months. But what does that prove? What I mean by seeing... I know what you mean, Lieutenant. And he really tries to reemphasize what seeing her meant. Yeah. And I Fletcher's know like, I know what that means. Detective. Yeah, he's like, he starts to wink, wink, wink. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. And he's like, you know. And then he does like the, you know, finger in the whole thing. And she's the like, blast, I'm still confused. Finger blast. And he's like, oh my God, let me. Uh, and he blows up a blow up doll in front of her. And he's like, do you understand? She's like, I still don't get it. And you know. 
Uh, I'm, I'm exaggerating. It's <laughs> she, of course, she gets that he's a Norman. I think you're right on the money with like a Norman Bates. Uh, yeah. Well, and not only that, but so Detective Andrews is like, yeah, they've been seeing each other or she had given him a car, money, all this stuff. And then she's like, but why would he want to kill her? And I'm like, he just gave a really good motive, money. <laughs> it's the age old motive of murder in the book. I'm like, how the fuck are you so successful as a writer if this clear cut motive is presented to you and you still are questioning it. Like, uh, I don't <laughs> to know. be fair, she is particularly good at Northeastern murder. It seems <laughs> right. West Coast murder stuff. Like, it's kind of like a West Coast IPA right. deal. Different it's ball just, game. It's a I little forgot. bit different. The beer they make there and the murder is a little bit hoppier, a little different. Baseball versus um, softball. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she goes back to the hotel and she knows something's <laughs> weird. Her briefcase is open. Very bizarre. And then also, David is just randomly and comes out of her this bathroom. This is the second and or third time he's broken into her apartment. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Jessica, something's off. Something's wrong here. This is a big ol' no-no. What are you doing here? I mean, how did you get in? The maid let me in. Well, she knew I was working for you. I, I was just about to dig in. David, where are you going through my briefcase? Of course not. But one of the latches is open. Really? Well, it wasn't me. He makes it really awfully hard for us to think it's not him. Like, he makes it really hard for us to not just think it's not him. <laughs> right. And it's like, if it's not you for this fucking murder, you're guilty of something. Like, you're just a weird bastard. Like, <laughs> well, the, and that's something, like, and, uh, Andrews keeps saying, and, the, and everyone keeps bringing up about him. He's like, well, he's a notorious liar. He's notoriously takes away, like, people's money and and, <laughs> yeah. go, and sneaks around shit. But but I don't know about murder. And you're like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? It could be anything. This man is... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He tries to, well, he tries to clear the air with her about his relationship with Var. He says that he got in a horrible car accident with her because she was just blast drunk. Um, and she wrote him a check just to pay for a brand new car in full. And that was the excuse he has for why the giving her him a car. Jessica, I swear to you, I, I didn't harm that woman. But you knew her. Mrs. Brevard was a frightened and lonely woman. A few months ago, we were involved in an auto accident. She was drunk. It was her fault. And then they got dinner a few times, he says, and that was it. Yeah, we don't believe I him. I don't, right? believe, we don't him. believe him at this point. Right? No. I do not believe him at all. But like, you know who does? A Fletcher does. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> she is very fussy and mad about him breaking in, though. She's like, never do that ever again. She lays the law down. But also, she's going to stand up for him. She lays the law down to later not care about it at all. She's immediately up for his defense constantly. She gives him the benefit of the doubt. Cut yes, this, cut do. this. Uh, it's just bizarre. It's a really bizarre choice to do that for her character with this off-brand... Um, Ohio Joe. What's another actor he looks like? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, use another, let's keep using the state thing. Uh, New Hampshire, New Hampshire Newman. <laughs> so she goes to Edmunds, Edmund Gerard's office, and David also is there. David just likes being where Fletcher is, and he's going there to ask De- or the dean of students to... For the benefit of the doubt. Uh, da, 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 doubt. <laughs> Jessica, who was pissed just a moment ago, very angry at him for breaking her hotel room, is now totally fine and revered him to get back to work the next day. Mm-hmm. If, if only there was some way to convince you, both of you, all I'm asking for is a benefit of the doubt. Well, you have it, as far as I'm concerned. And after the lecture, I'm going to put in a long evening writing. So tomorrow, you're going to have scads of typing. Thanks. Which I took as being something of like, I'm going to try and set a trap to prove him either guilty or innocent. 
That's how I interpret it, but, I mean, all the rules are out the window. No, she's got rose-tinted... Bifocals. ...glasses of some kind, because she's like, this is that line you were alluding to. She says... I mean, obviously the boy is something of a con man, and, and perhaps he's a liar, but a killer? <laughs> I don't think so. You are far too trusting. <laughs> Those are two very damning no. observations <laughs> of his concept of his character. <laughs> he's a racist and a misogynist, but he's no... He's no asshole. He's no burglar. Like... It, <laughs> Those are pretty bad things. Then we cut to Jessica West goes back. He goes to her hotel room back a lot. Just goes back to the hotel room because it's the only other location we have. Mm. Um, and she gets this weird call from her, the blonde girl for who was with the professor earlier. That hot, that hot little number. She's in some weird Seattle bar and she's calling Fletcher to say, Look, You don't know me, but I'm a friend of David Tulliver's and I can prove he didn't kill that woman. And when Jessica asks for her name, the blonde girl tells her to shut up. <laughs> Who is this? Oh, my name's not important. Well, it is to me if I'm going to... Hey, lady, just shut up and listen. I'm taking a hell of a chance just making this call. This scene was so fucking weird. <laughs> that bar, the bar, like, they clearly added in the music later, like a post-production thing. And it's this... I, I wrote down, this woman needs to get off the phone. There's a saxophone player dying in the corner. <laughs> he... <laughs> Jack! Who are you talking to? None of your business. That guy, right? No, not that guy. Get out of my way. Come on, Jack! There is <laughs> just the worst saxophone. I'm not gonna do that. Who is this? Uh, shut the fuck up, <laughs> Jessica! Slam! <laughs> it's surreal. It's so bizarre. And, it, and it's followed up with her... her boyfriend her husband shows up no dude her, her husband, husband. Oh, it's her husband <laughs> you guys take over narrative I'm yeah, so yeah, her, her straight up just also starts abusing her right in the middle of this bar but then they're like fighting each other as well and everybody around them is just casually drinking their coffee the saxophone di- the saxophone player is dying in the corner i'm like what the fuck kind of sh- <laughs> it's rusting yeah, like, in real time shithole bar is this <laughs> I just was like, I really hope this is not a real bar. <laughs> oh, I've I've drunkenly stumbled into this bar at some point in time in the past five years. In it's open from 6 a.m. to 4 a.m. <laughs> uh, her name is Lila, and her husband shows up because she was one. He was wondering, oh, you're on the phone with that other guy, who we assume is Lowry. I would misimagine. Um, they're married, and Lila says, "Not for long." Uh, he holds onto her wrist, really possessively creepy, and says. I'm never letting you go. <laughs> Look, Jack, it just didn't happen for us, all right? So just let it be. Jack, you're hurting me. Oh, wait, I'm not letting you go. You're hurting me, Jack. Let go! So even though just a moment ago, Fletcher said, well, I'm not going to meet you by the abandoned warehouse. Guess who's at the abandoned warehouse? <laughs> Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> she goes like, well, I'm not doing anything else tonight. I might as well. Well, there's not a the shot of creepy her contemplating it. At least we don't have any context clues where she gets up on the phone and goes, maybe I should do that. There's not a shot of acknowledgement. <laughs> She's just there. Maybe they just forgot to add it to the edit or something. Eh, who needs it? So she shows up. The composer is bumping again. The piano <laughs> ominous music's amazing. I was gonna say this is where the score was great. This is where I genuinely noticed like, oh this is great. This is working really, really well. This sequence is really tense. Like, again, we're getting a lot more of Jessica actually sleuthing, going to places. It's a lot more intense. So she goes to this abandoned warehouse. The music is really ominous and 
energetic and she goes into the warehouse with this room that's full of like Indiana speaking of Indiana Jones like very like a bunch of boxes all over the place like a storage boxes and then there's Lila the blonde girl and she's like stumbling and struggling to breathe and then she falls because she's been stabbed in the back and she's what? dead now this scene was great genuinely loved how they executed this scene it was like subtle eeriness of her sleuthing around and looking around the music was tense enough it wasn't over it was overbearing but in like a it wasn't obnoxious it was just like a really good tone setter i really loved the shot so she's going through all these boxes like this maze of boxes in this warehouse and she turns this like slight corner and there's just this lone light hanging there and it's it just holds on her there it's like dead silent and she looks and she sees this like person come out of the shadows it's who is it lila or emily lila lila Lila. yeah who am i thinking of (laughs) who's emily (laughs) who cares there's so many characters (laughs) Emily is Lowry's wife, but we never see her. So Lila comes around the in like through the shadows and is like clinging at the boxes, like you said, and then she falls over and is dead. And it cuts to commercial break. Such a good scene. I really, really like just the subtle eeriness. Good work, show. You did it. <laughs> seven, seven episodes deep and you got me a good scene. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so we're at the point of the episode where I'd like us to all say who we thought the murderer was. I thought the show was going to be pretty blatant and make David be something. I thought David was going to be it. I actually thought it was Dr. Gerard. Oh. Yes, because he was introduced early and there was like the flirtation between him and Jessica. So I thought maybe he was inviting her to the school because he kind of had this weird background behind him. And so I was like, oh, it must have, like it had to have been him. Mm -hmm. I thought it was Todd Lowry for two reasons. One, I think I was at the school thought we've had a couple episodes where the murderer was the one you would least expect it and who we're not getting a ton of screen time with. And that leads us to not be surprised by the end that it's them. Um, so I thought it was him because we've only seen him once, but also because he's connected to her. <laughs> he's the only one other than her husband. And I was like, the husband's too doofy, evil and gross, and creepy of a guy and possessive and violent. That it cannot be him because what we've learned about the show is actual bad men have no consequences in the show. I think your theory still holds true, though, and we'll get to it. Except that's, that's true. Your that is theory true. holds true if you have to reduce it down to the base foundation of what character do we know literally nothing about? That's your murderer. Yes. So that's why I thought it was Todd. <laughs> Todd Lauer. Hey, this is Spencer. The Murder We Watch team has decided to nix any and all monetization or sponsorship for this podcast. Instead, we want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about the Hire Her Back initiative. If we've learned anything from our time watching Murder, She Wrote, a show predominantly written by men who time and time again undermine all their women characters... It's that women deserve a voice in film. They deserve to have equitable opportunities to professionally and creatively thrive. Straight up, no excuses. That's why we want to highlight the nonprofit organization Women in Film, who launched the initiative Hire Her Back to provide grants for the women whose livelihoods have been adversely affected by the pandemic. Jake and I will be donating $25 this month to the campaign and encourage you to donate whatever you can, whenever you can, to support this incredibly important cause. So go to womeninfilm.org slash advocacy slash hire her back to learn more about the cause and join us in donating. Just, uh, just do it. Be a, be a good person. All right, let's go back to the podcast.
we get the scene where the detective shows up at the crime scene and he's talking to Jessica. He's like, why did you go? You should have told me. Andrew still thinks it's David. So they bring him in again. And he says that she said that she had proof that you couldn't possibly have killed Alison Brevard. We've been seeing each other off and on. It was it was finally turning into something. And that's why all this talk about Alison Brevard is so much nonsense. And he was with her that night. The old woman was killed. So that's how she knew that it couldn't possibly be him. And he keeps saying that her husband, whose name is Jack Schroeder, is crazy. The guy who was grabbing her wrist at the bar. He's crazy. He's a psychopath. He's he's threatened to kill her multiple times. He's really trying to pit it on her. He's making it really hard for us to not think it's David. David's just really pointing the fingers all over the place that it's not him, which makes us think it must be him. Yeah, constantly lying, changing his story, gives off these really strong Norman Bates vibes where it's just like being there around Jessica, let himself into her apartment a few times as well, where she was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Are you going through my shit? Like this guy is very much so untrustworthy. He's a he's an asshole. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. a regular <laughs> asshole. Exactly. <laughs> Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. So we go back to Edmund's office again, and then Amelia, the secretary, is pretty icy to Jessica, very dismissive. And Jessica realizes she's in love with him, and I need to tell her, he and I, there's nothing. We're just homies. We're buds. <laughs> Amelia, despite what you may think, I'm not a rival. Edmund and I are dear friends. Nothing more. Believe me. Well, Mrs. Fletcher, you, you misjudge me, really. Oh, Amelia, for heaven's sakes. Only a blind person would misread your feelings for Edmund. <laughs> and Amelia, Amelia de-ices, I guess. Icy Hots goes to the hot side. And she kind of opens up about kind of her feelings for Edmund. And she's, you know, really, really into him. But then we go to a pool gym. A very small oh, God. pool in a gym where Jack Schroeder is doing laps in a, a pool that is not made for laps. And he's wearing, you know... <laughs> it's like the hot tub at a hotel. It's, yeah, he's doing laps in the, <laughs> the, the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> so Jessica goes there to talk to him because, you know, she's 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 one of the detectives at this point. And she's casually watching him from the edge <laughs> of the pool. And when I say casually, I mean that creepily. Like just sitting there watching him, just waiting for him to pop up out of that water. You know, <laughs> just there are better ways to do that, Jess. Jack doesn't seem very upset at all that his wife is dead, even though we just saw him in the last scene be very, I need you, I'm never letting you go, very pathetic. But he doesn't seem upset at all. He's going about his day, gets on an exercise bike, he's good to go. This is my uh, contribution to the bumbling the bumbling humor hour. Jessica says, uh, well, you did threaten to kill her. And Jack says, you did threaten to kill her. Yeah, I also threatened to win a gold medal at the last Olympics. I didn't even make the team. And I didn't even make the team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, dude. Weird flex. Once again, zero correlation between these two. <laughs> yeah, very strange. He also knows that Jessica's supposed to be lecturing. He says, Say, Mrs. Fletcher, isn't it about time you were in class? <gasps> Are you supposed to be teaching your class right now? How does he know that? Right. I thought the same thing. Where I was like, how do you know her schedule? Yeah, I started getting... I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. It's such a weird throwaway line. Why the fuck would he know that? Yeah. yeah it wasn't like her at dig and it, it wasn't like a dig like, aren't you supposed to be teaching your class? He like, she's like, oh, I'm actually late i have to go he knew exactly the time of <laughs> her okay. class <laughs> i'm your new secretary jack schroeder here i've been <laughs> not as fast as the other guy but I'm just as creepy i know your schedule i can multitask i can type i can talk to you 
and do laps. Just a, I do a great butterfly. So she goes to do her lecture, she walks in, and then she starts giving a totally random example of a murder, the murder that just happened. Her first example, the possible killers, she gives like a bunch of different possible people who could have killed this totally random example of a murder uh, victim. And the first one is literally just the college professor and she's saying it right to Lowry's face. Uh, the obvious suspect, um, Professor Lowry, who would you say? The husband, naturally. Let's take A for instance. Uh, he's a young man, uh, possibly a college professor. Uh, he is uh, been secretly in love with the victim, but he has a major problem, he's married. She starts to like really grill him and just try and get a confession out of him right in front of his fucking students and he he's caught off guard he's clearly done something wrong but it's not murder right yeah he didn't do it right wait <laughs> we don't know we're not there yet we don't know uh, but <laughs> why is allison brevard in this who cares <laughs> low-key the english professor is kind of a babe so I was like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> you can do it. It's fine. If you did it, that's okay. <laughs> Tell me about his alibi for the time of the woman's death. Adam, why don't you ask someone else? I... Well, I'm asking you. Well, I suppose uh, he would have been with his wife. Would she swear to that? Yes. Would she lie for him? I don't know. She might. I did like how this lecture scene started. It felt like Jessica Fletcher was like lost in her own logic a little bit. So she was using the class as a way to break down her own procedure and how she does it. This afternoon, I'd, I'd like to try something a little different. Uh, suppose today we put ourselves in the shoes of the murderer. How does he think? How does he act? I, I was hoping to do more of that, of like, she kind of presents the class les lesson of like, pretend we're the murderer in a situation. How do you get away with it? Or, or how she, she phrases it some way like that. Crime solving and problem deduction, instead of going to motive, which is what she always does, trying to think the opposite way. And just like, whether it's a crime of passion or to predict your own motive to get away with something. Check out alibis. No, you're thinking like a policeman. Now, we are setting up a murder, we're not solving it. Create the alibis. Ah, uh, wrong again. No, well, writers create alibis. But so does a killer. Uh, yes, he creates his own. But if he's going to throw suspicion elsewhere, he has to be aware of what all the other suspects are up to. It was really, it was just like a really interesting way to approach a lecture. I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. This is cool writing. Oh, and now she's just grilling Professor Lowry. Okay, well, that's cool too. I'll, I'm, I'm down with this. I like what you had to say about her using the class as a way, because she genuinely feel lost in the shuffle just like we are it's the first time where i feel like she didn't know what was happening even if it's kind of goofy that she's grilling lowry right to his face which is super ballsy it's a new nugget about fletcher that we haven't really seen yet where we're actually seeing her process happen and i, re I really that's the elements of this episode that i really enjoyed for sure where are we <laughs> Um, so she goes back to her hotel room again. It's, she has to go back to her hotel room to know where to go next. It's almost like her, her safe it's a recharge point. station. Yeah. <laughs> she has to go there to save her. That's her save point. It's a save point of the game. Fuck me. This is such a complicated <laughs> plot. I gotta go charge my batteries. Oh, my creepy secretary's broken in again. Cool. All right. Oh yeah. David breaks in again, by the way, <laughs> even though she told him not to. Or, or maybe he was there working while she wasn't there. What's the or maybe he between? didn't break in. The room is, I, it's a twilight zone of a room. I don't know when time is in there and people keep coming in and out. Yeah. David has left a note for her on the hotel fridge saying, Jessica, 
I had to go out. I'll be back as soon as I can. You got a call from Professor Lowry. He wants to meet you at his office at 9 this evening. Says it's urgent and confidential. Regards, David. So she's thinking, oh, maybe he's going to confess. Maybe he's going to do this or that. So she goes to, by herself, sure, to confront who she thinks is the murderer. She has some mace. Good. Thumbs up. Mm -hmm. The elevator's out of order, so she has to go up the stairs. We actually see a masked person push 50-something-year-old Jessica Fletcher down a flight of stairs. We watch her fall. It's actually a little more complicated than that because the person pushes Jessica Fletcher down the stairs and then it suddenly becomes a 20-year-old stunt woman falling down the <laughs> stairs. So in the time she was pushed, she slipped into an alternate dimension and a stunt woman took her place and fell down a huge flight of stairs only to have her appear at the bottom of the it's like the the hole that your socks fall into when they disappear in the dryer. Yeah, That's what it's happened exactly. to Jessica Fletcher in that moment. <laughs> Story-wise, this is such a good scene to like put your main mm-hmm. character at like death's door sudden like suddenly and clearly something is afoot. I was just so quickly taken out by seeing this like it just ah! <laughs> <laughs> this, this, <laughs> Two, like, 20-year-old covered in padding and stuff to be safe down the stairs. Can you imagine Angela Lansbury, the actress, really saying, no, this is the stunt I want to do. You know what? I haven't been risky enough. This is the moment I want to do. Like, the Tom Cruise breaks his foot in Mission Impossible moment. <laughs> I do my own stunts. So she falls down the stairs, and she's falling in and out of consciousness. And right before she finally passes out, David is there for some reason. Oh. Again. Mrs. Fletcher? Daniel? How is this guy making it so easy to think he's the fucking murderer? This is this is like some class A motherfucking stalking, guys. Because this is before you can track somebody's phone, fucking Instagram check-ins on their goddamn stories. Like, this dude is following her around. Always has some weird excuse. But it's like, how are you there? Like, how did you know? Every single time it's a coincidence or or, yes. or devil's advocate for something else. To the Mm -hmm. point where it's starting to become very suspicious. (laughs) We go to the hospital. Edmund and the lieutenant show up. David is also there. And he insists that he was with Lila the night Brevard died. And Edmund says, Swear what? That you're telling the truth? Just the way you were telling the truth when you said Lila was with you the night Alison Brevard died? Well, she was with me. No, young man, she was not with you. Because that night she was with me. Oh my God! Dr. Edmund Gerard has been seeing Lila on the side when David thought he was seeing Lila on the side and Lila was also seeing Lowry on the side. Can we just go ahead and give a shout out to motherfucking Lila for being the MVP of this goddamn episode? For how stacked her fucking list was with dudes deep in her pussy, dude. Like, (laughs) this bitch was like, good for her, man. Good for her. Like, you go ahead, Lila. Well, they're high-ranking, like, professors. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you're getting it. And I'm still getting a B-. minus. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild what's happening. This show is pulling on all of the General Hospital stops <laughs> right now. I, so, is this a soap opera? Like, is this show a soap opera? Maybe? Kind of? Yeah. It's like elevated yeah. soap opera. It's... And I think that was kind of like getting to my point earlier of just like there's so many things that tie together that also don't tie together. When when it was revealed that uh, Gerard was sleeping with Lila, wait, what does this have to do with much of anything? (laughs) 
I still don't know who killed Allison Brevard at the start. And Lila, who is... <laughs> I also have to say, like, Allison, the whole initial murder, the sequence we saw very early on that had a lot of importance, had a lot of, like, intense, you know, moments, is not really the central part of the story whatsoever. It's like a no. footnote. Oh, no. And there's, I wrote down a line when they, they catch the killer of Oh, yeah. They, they catch the killer. The, they yeah, catch the killer out. at some point, and they're like, got some leads on the jewels that were stolen from the Brevard woman. They backtracked to a fence who led them to a three-time loser who was on parole. He gave a complete confession. To the murder. To the murder. Oh, it was just a burglar. Anyway. And they're like, wait. <laughs> yeah. What? Totally thrown away. Then just don't include that plot away. point. Don't include it. I care more about Lila and, and this, like, <laughs> lover's affair thing. You know, the title's called Lover and Other Killers. Wink, 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 wink. It just... Is that the noise that uh, Edmund Gerard makes when he finishes? <laughs> yeah, that when he when he finish when he climaxes. <laughs> I'm about to. Oh no! Here it comes. <laughs> Done. <laughs> really, the role of a lifetime. I think. I don't think there's any other piece of content he's made that really uh, shows his talents the way this has. Or has, like, had a deeper impact no. on society as a whole. <laughs> so we get our uh, our uh, gotta have a space needle shot because we're in Seattle scene where they are out to brunch. So she meets with Gerard here. Yeah. I, I'm assuming, I, I can't remember exactly what they're talking about, but it's, like, about his affair. A very TMI-filled description of the affair and jessica says like oh no, no there's there's no need she doesn't really want to hear it and he immediately goes yes there is an affair started it didn't last because lila wanted to get out of it but todd wouldn't let her he's more subtle than her husband jack but i think perhaps just as dangerous at any rate she came back to me begging my help we met a few times first in my office and later at a, a little out-of-the-way place out of town. Lumberjack Inn, not exactly a campus hangout. Edmund, there's no need. Yes, there is a need. And this is the second <laughs> time in the episode, no, third time, that that exact same situation has happened as it happens with her and David early on. She says something of like, oh, I don't need to hear this. And he goes, I'm just going to talk over you and keep talking. And here we go. And I'm going to keep talking and tell you everything about my life. And it happens again with Professor Lowry. Look, about yesterday afternoon. Oh, I, look, I, I, I really feel a little embarrassed about all that. Well, don't be. Your little charade knocks some sense into me. Oh, I don't need to hear this. And he goes, there is a need. I must tell you how I got my dick what? And you're just like, I don't yes. really don't need these scenes. And there's just so many scenes like that. This Edmund scene is like, he's saying we would drive to the, the Lumberjack Inn. Love a good Pacific Northwest <laughs> place called the Lumberjack Inn. Yeah, like the ultimate place for romance. Yeah. That's like, that's where you go. Valentine's Day. And he, he remembers that the night that Brevard was murdered, he was driving away with her because he's, they carpool you know, mm -hmm. to have an affair. Yeah, definitely. And a car sped really fast at them and tried to run them off the road. But the important thing is, the night the Brevard woman died, Lila and I were at the inn until almost midnight. I remember it specifically because on the way home, we were nearly run off the road by a speeding car. And he thinks it was a threat of warning from David, who knows that they're having the affair. And Edmund says uh, it's exposed him for a liar and a killer that he is. And Jessica says... Are you sure? Edmund says the thing we're all saying. He says, yes, and if we were talking about anyone else but David Tolliver, you would be too. In that moment, knew it was not him. Even though he is scummy and he's having this affair with 
well, he's not really having an affair. His wife said he can have sex with Lila. He can do whatever he wants. But it's when I knew it's not him because he he said some truth right there about Jessica Fletcher. She's too clouded by this wanting to think he, David is a good person because he was charming and nice to her that she will point the finger at anybody else but the person who probably it is. Uh, my my bumbling humor. Uh, it is from this scene. There's <laughs> Peter Graves is talking about his affair with Lila. I admit I was attracted to her. I was lonely. She was young, very vital. It happens. <laughs> yeah. That is such mm-hmm. a gross, perverted. So gross. Uh, so gross. Uh, it, it is so <laughs> on the nose of how dis- like so dismissive of like of her as a person. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, she was just like some hot piece of ass. Where I was like, bitch. It ha- it happens. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, just exactly. happen. It's predatory, man. This is the part where we realize the person who killed Brevard was just the burglar. Yeah. Um, and guess what, guys? I don't know if this might be shocking to you. David's in her hotel room yet again. Breaks in right again. <laughs> Here I am. Hello. Uh, and says somebody was calling on behalf of Lyra- Lowry. He says, Jessica, it's the truth. The person called, asked me to take a message, said it was urgent. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, say that again. He asked me to take a message. No, 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 no. You, you, you said a person said it was Lowry. I wouldn't know his voice. I, I don't know him. And that reveals to her everything. <laughs> And who is the murderer, guys? It's Amelia. You know, hey, you guys remember her? Hey, listeners, you remember her? You know, Amelia. The two scenes that we had of her. The in two show. fucking scenes with the secretary of Dr. Gerard. I hate this reveal so much. <laughs> this is the one thing that I detest, but that's just my opinion. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. I actually called it. Okay. Um, Because, yes, because there was that. Again, earlier when she was first introduced and they had that whole like really big tension moment shown between her and Gerard. I was like, we're going to come back to that later. I just. Yeah. It it was too significant of a zoom in on both of those characters, especially Amelia. And I was like, that's going to come back and be prevalent later. And since I already kind of suspected Gerard for um, Allison's murder, when it was revealed that it wasn't him for that, but that he was having an affair with Lila, I was like, oh, probably the secretary because it was a crime of passion. Yeah, that's pretty good. I I, I agree with you. Forensic files, bitch. <laughs> I watched that on the side. <laughs> you have one screenplay in forensic files and one playing this on repeat. Literally like, like matching hey, it up. But who could have done it? <laughs> I guess I wanted more of the secretary to build her up a little bit more. And maybe I didn't need that. Maybe you're right. Maybe I didn't need that. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm becoming used to what this show has done where it, it like layers and layers of butter are just slapped on your face with who did it. And then they give a huge monologue. And this one was literally two scenes. Maybe it's because this woman playing the, character of amelia is not a good actor and well, there's this also cr- that this <laughs> crime mon- the reveal of the crime monologue performance that we get you know the classic her giving the whole soliloquy to fletcher about why she did it it's <laughs> rough yeah i wanted to frighten you that's all that's why i dressed in black to make you think it was david i went to see lila tuesday evening to confront her she was just leaving her actions seemed strange, so I, I followed her. I wanted to see what she was up to. I was afraid she might have been meeting Edmund. So maybe there's <laughs> that part of it, too, where this performance is just not memorable enough. And that moment where she's supposed to be a shining star, and per- terms of performance-wise, she just really botches it. Just 
it's not good. But yeah, it's a crime of passion. She wanted to, she's in love with Edmund. And when she found out that he was having an affair with Lila, she just, she couldn't handle it. She had to do something. Again, the whole first crime was a red herring. That's what got us to David. But then she had to do something once uh, she was going to reveal to Fletcher at the warehouse. She wanted to make sure that never happened to protect her lover and also just uh, confront him, confront Lila. So it's not necessarily bumbling humor hour, but it's bumbling just line hour. <laughs> Amelia is admitting that she killed Lila and Gerard overhears it and walks out of his office. And she's like, and so Amelia's talking and she's like, oh, I just couldn't handle it. Like, I've loved you forever, ever since Gwen, which is his dead ex-wife. Not ex-wife, but his dead wife. He could have gotten divorced post-death. He got a divorce with, with a corpse. Uh, <laughs> I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just standing over her grave. <laughs> you and I are through. <laughs> I'll see you at court. <laughs> I'll see you at court, bitch. <laughs> 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 Fucking Gerard is like... Amelia, for God's sake. Why? Because I love you. I had no idea. Well, I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, and then it goes ahead to be like... Amelia, Lila didn't mean anything to me. That was a passing thing. I could have handled it. It was nothing. I could have handled it. Like, just basically like, fuck this dead bitch. <laughs> Who cares? Like, had you told me that you liked me... I would have dropped her. It just had, there was no regard for Lila's life whatsoever in that conversation. So for me, I was like, wow, you are all terrible people. All of you. I mean, Lila was young. She was vital. It happens. You know? It just happens. It happens. He's such it, a prick. He is such a prick. Yeah. Why was uh, he yes. killed? Oh. <laughs> Lila did it. And it's weird. I don't know if this happened for you guys. Amelia, just Amelia weird- did it. Not oh, Lila. Yeah, thank, thank, well, Lila, that, Sorry, she's dead. You're getting your names crossed up like I've been doing all night. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Amelia did it. Uh, and I don't know if this was happened for you guys. Maybe this just was IMDb TV cutting weird. But it cut weirdly out of this amazingly dramatic reveal scene just to the end, to the last sequence in the airport. Yeah. Nope, that's, <laughs> I think that's I the think episode. That's how okay. That's, okay. I, that's how it was done. So yep. Creepazoid David Tolliver is there talking to Fletcher via a bear puppet. Can I interest you in a slightly overstuffed bear? Sure. <laughs> Um, he says, I mean, why wouldn't he be there? It would be weird if he wasn't at this point. No, it'd be normal if he wasn't. <laughs> it would be, it'd be perfectly normal. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but now it's just terrifying. He's not trying to get her to stay, but he, he wants He says to. he's enormously attracted to her. Oh, he says, God. can we stop being merely polite? Jessica, can we stop being merely polite with each other? I think you know by now how I feel about you. No, I don't. Nor do I want to. And I'm enormously attracted to you. I can't explain it, but I find myself drawn to mature women, particularly if they're bright and funny. And then when she she denies it again, he gets really mad. Like before he was like, oh, I'll, I'll still find a way to win you back. But now she's leaving. She's like, you know, David, like, I'm not doing that. And he gets really pissed. Oh, he's furious. He says like, you know, the only thing I'm guilty of is caring. And I do care very much. It's it's just absolute like yeah. incel men's rights sounding bullshit. Yep. It's 100%. so gross. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. And Jessica. I finish last. <laughs> the only problem for me is that I care too much. Like Jessica is not into it either, though, because as she's leaving, she's like, you know what? You made an impact on me. I might make you into a character. You may end up being a character. And what would I be? A victim? A suspect? Killer? 
I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. I haven't really decided yet. I haven't yet. decided yet. Mm. Yes, and then walks away, and I was like, oh, shit. And the final <laughs> shot of the whole episode is the most unnerving zoom in on David's face. God. It's, it is the most uncomfortable shot, I think, in cinema history. I was so like, wait, you're ending on this note? Oh, no. This oh, is terrifying. I loved it. I loved every moment <laughs> of it because it was the first time where I thought, and we'll get to this in a second, it's the first time where I thought, he's coming back they've Me got too. it Bro, because yeah, he's thing. too valuable of a character if they don't bring him back what a terrible ending <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree no he has to come back like that dude was just set up i'm like oh that he's gonna fucking stalk her or try to murder her or something because like he was already showing you know real stalkerish behavior oh yeah but that last scene where he like kind of lost all of that boyish charm he kind of held throughout that episode which kind of i think it took the mask off jessica the entire time yeah it completely fell away and you really saw that like the depravity <laughs> behind that person and it was very unsettling yeah for sure so that was uh season one episode seven Man, they, they have to bring him back, right? Yeah, because like, that's what I was going to say. We usually pick a character who we want to bring back. Do we all agree that it should be him? Or are there other candidates here from this episode? Yes. Oh, yeah. David, for sure. I don't want Peter Graves in this show again. <laughs> He's disgusting. <laughs> Me neither. But yeah, I kind of want, yeah, want David back. I, I think I want I want David. Like, David is my choice. Because that dude has just so much potential to be a really fucked up character that I'm like, I want you to come back. Yeah. I mean, he elevated this episode to me. I thought that was why I was so enticed to wonder what was happening is because his character was so strong and and kind of defies all the logic of the show that we've built thus far about what we assume is going to happen. And, and I, at some point just resigned to happening, which, spoiler, I guess it's not a spoiler, we just talked about it. Those things happen anyway, regardless <laughs> of David being there. But yeah. he, makes, he makes us think for a couple moments throughout this. I mean, the best scenes of the show, he's actively big time a part of, um, at least setting up mm-hmm. and being the driving force creating them. So I, I loved his character. Um, and he was truly the um, the tying force between all the murders that happened as well. Like he was the only kind of connecting factor in everything. Yeah. And even though he wasn't necessarily allegedly that we know wasn't connected to Allison's murder, which I don't believe, to be honest. I think he had a, pro- a, a part in that. I really do. And the more we're talking about, I think he did it. Even if it's just like some random burglar, I'm like, bullshit. I don't know. I don't, I don't Well, it kind of plays into maybe like that throwaway line of, oh, it was just some random burglar is to say like, oh, he did it, but we don't have enough evidence and he's going to come back more moments like this or he'll be back in for more episodes similar to this which i'm down if i can ever see lieutenant andrews again i'm ha- I'm a happy man yeah, <laughs> guy. Uh, me too yeah, well, that's all i want i need more of that grizzly i got in a my lot life. of questions for you <laughs> yeah he's he's quickly fizzled out of the show which is disappointing because his character was strong i think they getting to this third act they were realizing they really got to only have one focus to the end and you kind of have to lose some stuff along the way but his character is really great i wish he had a better episode for him to be a shining element of i'll defect i i won't say david i want lieutenant andrews back for another episode uh lieutenant uh, uh, uh lieutenant andrews seattle pd lieutenant andrews seattle pd it's all wood for it. With my bagels, my sports papers. And He's like, I need to know what happened to the Seattle Storm last night and that NBA, NBA game. That third quarter was a disaster. 
What a great episode. Loved it. So far, the peak of the mountain for this season. This one was good. This one's definitely a top contender for sure so far. Are we doing a fantasy Fletcher we kind of are. Guys? Our we... goal is to, like, at the end of this, do, like, a bracket and, like, a league of, like, okay, this season, who? what was the best episode? And we just... We narrow it down. Just like a nice power rankings. Yeah, I was going to say I'm looking forward to two episodes from now because it seems that every other episode is very good. So next episode (laughs) is probably going to be a trash. But two episodes from now are really good. (laughs) I genuinely got some, I hope they apply some of the great things that happened here in this episode to future episodes. That's my hope. Even like 10% of this episode and more, I'd be, I'm happy. I'm Mm -hmm. good with that. That shows the world how much can make me happy is <laughs> having some old actors in a TV show. And then I'm a, I'm a happy camper. So, Alexa, you've only seen one other episode of the show with us. Mm-hmm. What are some things about the show, just from seeing those two episodes, that you are both enjoying and wish that they would just totally abandon moving forward? More quippy jokes. Like, I need more of those in the script. They really love it, love just it. make my soul very happy. I'd also eliminate some of the garbled garbage that was happening, like in the airport when she was trying to describe (laughs) her novel, when she was doing her lecture, where I was like, how the fuck are you a successful writer? Because this makes no sense. The little window we got to your plot makes no sense. Because the two episodes I have seen, the killers have been women scorned in a way. Yeah. So I would kind of like to see a little bit less misogynistic approach to women characters. Which, disclaimer, I'm not intentionally giving you episodes like these. <laughs> I just want to make sure that's clear. Because <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I'm like, oh, this is another episode that we're watching with Lexi where... It's very heavy on that. Heavy on I was like, damn. Bad men. Okay. Yikes. But, you know, honestly, like, I hope to see more of this, the introduction of these characters that are very off-putting. And I felt like we really actually got to see Jessica kind of start displaying some, like, I don't really trust you. You're kind of a piece of shit. And I can recognize that. So I hope that is still, like, that continues to grow and that she employs that in her personal decision-making. Yeah, I agree. You know? Well, I'm sure there'll be more episodes where she doesn't do much in an episode and it's more about an old prospector or something. Well, I know what I want to return in this episode and it's going to be the banging music. But also, I think Angela Lansbury's finally starting to flex some acting chops. Every episode where Fletcher is the main focus are the best ones. All the episodes that get too distracted with their side characters tend to be the ones that fail the most. That's my hope, yeah. but uh, that's going to do it for us, gang. Uh, on to the, the train keep a rolling all night long through whatever, uh, however long this Amtrak trail is for this show. Or if- What? What are you talking about? <laughs> are you having a stroke? I'm having a stroke. <laughs> I have my fun- <laughs> Hey, the old Amtrak's yeah, are coming. Uh, better watch out for the moon. <laughs> it's going to kill your wife. Don't trust the trees. What are you talking about? I always do my best Joe Biden impression, but also I am... Uh, <laughs> that was my oh. 70-year-old stunt double having a stroke. I'm the inverse of Angela Lansbury. My stunt double is 78 years old. <laughs> oh, falling downstairs. So funny. Actually, I'm going to... One last amendment before we sign off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I want to have return more, I want to come back, are more old people falling downstairs. <laughs> it's very funny. I love it so much. You really want to see... Oh! <laughs> 
<laughs> You're a big fan of the Jessica Fletcher stunt double. What a great career. That's the best part. That's who you would Fuck, keep. Can we get them on the show? I want to meet with them. Oh my god. That's I'm our new that's out. our new that's our new milk warm goal is to get the the, <laughs> the <laughs> Let's try to get her on the show. That'd be amazing. What if you got Angela Lansbury to be on the show? It was her birthday. It was her birthday last week. A Happy week ago birthday. today. I know. She turned 95. Check yourself, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a real fan of Angela or not? <laughs> well, it's a very double-edged sword there. Thank you for listening to the Murder We Watch podcast, featuring Jake Sanders, Spencer Mirabal, and special guest Alexa Weimer. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Murder We Watched Podcast. You can also watch along with us at home. The entire series is available for free on Amazon Prime and IMDb TV. 